Welcome to the podcast Israel and Christians Today. This podcast is brought to you by Christians for Israel International. Join us on a journey as we explore and discover God's love for and His promises to the Jewish people. Our goal is to understand Israel and world events from a biblical perspective. Enjoy this new podcast episode. Welcome back to another episode of Israel and Christians Today. Andrew Tucker here talking with Johannes Gerloff. And we are in a fascinating conversation about uh, Zionism, really. Today, we're going to explore this idea, the concept of Zionism, which, speaking for myself uh, as a Christian, has, and I'm only just starting to get my head around this. So Johannes, you're going to have to help us get head around this idea that God so loves the whole world that he gave his only son and he, who is the son of Israel and is the Messiah of Israel. So the idea of Zionism, that there is a particular people, the Jewish people, and the God's special way with them is not to exclude others, but to actually bless others. And Johannes, I'd like to pick up on that. Last time you started to share a little bit about this idea. And I'm wondering if you can take us a little bit further with, uh, with this, this idea. Yes, I'd love to. But I would like to, for a moment, take out the word Zionism and maybe talk about the connection between the chosen people, that means the, the person, it's a, in the beginning, in the very beginning, it's a person whom God picks, and then he says, you and your descendants. And I, I, while you were talking, I was opening uh, Genesis 12, uh, where the whole thing starts in a way, and God says to Abraham, at that time, it was still called Abram. He said, Lech Lecha, go for yourselves or come go with me from your land and from your um, family and from the house of your fathers or from your tribe and the house of your fathers and into a land that I will show you. Now, you started with what is interesting for us, that is the Son of God and what he did for us and how we solved the problem with the sin. And I will not dispute it that this is really the issue we are talking about. But if I go to the beginning and, and what is from God's point of view, the point number one, he touches when he chooses Abraham, he touches his relationship with the land. And he cuts it, and he gives him a focus onto a land that I will show you. Now, I'd like to alert all of us. We, last time we talked a lot about our, our ideas like, like nation states and our ideologies like having borders and all that. Um, I, I'd like us to focus on the Word of God and, and, and give the Word of God a chance to, to form our thinking. And what he does there is, I will show you a country. And the country is the first thing he mentions. The relationship with the land, between the people and the land, is the first and most fundamental thing. And what did we do in Christian theology? 
If you look today into Christian churches, the land is not important at all. You might go there in order to un understand some Jewish roots of where Jesus walked. But importance in a way that you mentioned Zionism, that we're, we're, it's where when you started that the people of Israel is coming back, is, is, that, is that relevant for me? To, it, it's interesting, but it's not relevant. So from a biblical point of view, the connection is most relevant. And I say that most relevant. If you take the land out, out of the equation, you kill the whole thing. And in a way, if we talk today, and I say that coming from a Lutheran background, if, if I say Christ alone, solus Christus, as one of the reform, reform, uh, reformed or reformatoric uh, base, basic principles, then in a way, in a way, we take out the land and say it's not important, it's secondary, it's, it's not really what we need. And the Bible contradicts us here. Now, a few decades later, Abraham in, in, in Genesis 15 is sitting there and said, Lord, um, how shall I know that you will give the land to me and my descendants? I'm a an immigrant, an Iraqi immigrant, and it was really a situation, if I, if I may draw this connection, an Iraqi immigrant who had the worst thinkable argument to get asylum. Just imagine an Iraqi immigrant comes into Holland or Germany or France today and says, the Lord has told me. You will tell him, go back. I mean, the better, the, the better argument he had that he was not a poor person. But he got rich only later on in Egypt. So, um, you know, it was a very tricky situation. And what was God's answer when Abraham said, look, I'm so stuck in this situation. I don't know. I have a wife that doesn't bear children. I, how shall I know? And then God gives him a very, very weird mixing answer. He says, this is what you shall know. Your descendants will have to leave this country for 400 years, for four generations. He doesn't tell him, you will be here. Actually, Abram, as the, Hebrew, as the letters to Hebrews tells us, he never saw it. He never tasted it. He bought one little piece of land to bury his wife there. So we really have to ask, what is the, the fundamental connection? And why is the land important? And, and let me just very shortly here show something or give you an idea. Abram was elected in order so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. That was God's focus, to bless the nations. Now, when he separated Abram from the land or Abram's descendants, Jacob, Joseph, he wanted to bless Egypt. And think of the blessing that Egypt received. Actually, the Egyptians were so grabbed by the idea that they sold not only their land, they sold themselves to Joseph. And God gives in Genesis 15 already an answer. He says, your descendants have to go out. Why? Because... He says there, the guilt of the Amorites is not yet full. 
the Amorites was a, was a term of all the nations in the land. And he didn't say, I will throw them all out. But he says, I have a plan with them. But in order to fulfill that plan, you have to get out of the country. So in separating the land of Israel from the people of Israel, he has a plan with the nations. And you see the same thing later on with the Babylonian captivity. You see the same thing with the last 2,000 years when the gospel went around the earth. It had to do with the separation of the Jewish people and the land of Israel. And, and I would like to describe it like a breathing. Yeah? The Lord separates the land and reunites the land and the people. And separates the land and reunites the land of people. And they had to come back in order Messiah to come. And then they had to be separated in order to go, let the gospel go out. And actually Paul says it that way. He says, they have, their fall has been salvation to the Gentiles. And okay. therefore, let, Johannes, let me just jump in there. Thank you. Because um, what, what you've been talking about is primarily about the Old Testament, Genesis and the history of Abraham and, and so forth and so on. I think um, what many of us as Christians struggle with is, you know, when Jesus came, he came for all people. Um, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. He's broken down the wall of partition between us and we're all big, one big happy family. Um, so there's no need anymore for this special connection between the Jewish people in the land. And in fact, for 2000 years, there hasn't been a special connection anymore. So that's kind of evidence that God did away with it. Okay. Andrew, let me, be a, let me be very personal for a minute. Uh, you have children? Yes. How many? Four. How did you make them? With uh, your wife? With one right? wife. So you lived the difference between man and wife. Paul, in the same context that you just mentioned, also said that there is no man and woman. Right? Yep. So there is no difference between man and woman, between employee and employed, between Jew and Gentile, in terms of being in Christ. But if you want to be, build a family, if you want to have children, you have to live the difference that God created between man and woman. Now, if I personally want to be saved, I have to accept Yeshua, Jesus, and then I will be saved. But look, the Bible is focused on the whole world, on the whole of creation. God so loved the world. We started with the Son, that he gave his only begotten Son. If we water the gospel down to just a personal, individual, kind of key to salvation so that I might die blessedly or however you call it quietly then we actually falsify the gospel God hears as Paul says in Romans 8 he hears the suffering he feels the suffering of creation the groaning and he wants to have an answer to it so and 
if we see the whole picture there, it's not just about your salvation and my salvation or anybody's salvation for that sake of an individual. But he hears the groaning of creation. He wants to give an answer to it. And, and I can show you from the New Testament, the last conversation Jesus had with his disciples, if we understand the Greek correctly, and the first sermon Peter gave are about the connection between the land of Israel and the people of Israel. Thank you. Well, that's, I think, a revelation, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But am I correct in understanding you then that Zionism, uh, which is about the restoration of the Jewish people to the land, is something that is biblically significant today. It's not just a political phenomenon that we are watching, but there's something happening that has got to do with the gospel. Is that true? Short answer, yes. Longer answer, a little bit more complicated, would be I challenged our Bible reading and our understanding of the Bible. I challenged our understanding of the situation in the Middle East. And I would have, if you'd simply use the word Zionism, there are different Zionisms. There's a, a totally secular Zionism. There's a nationalist Zionism. There's a racist Zionism. There, there are different Zionisms. And, and exactly as we as Christians mix the Bible and biblical understanding with our, depending on where we grew up in what environment, we mix it with our human imaginations and philosophies. Exactly the same way the Jewish people did that in a lot of instances. And we have to ask and go back to the word of God. And actually I, I live that in a way, and it's very interesting with Jewish people here in the land that there is a movement back to the Bible as the word of God that, um, that, that makes us question our theological paradigms. So Johannes, you mentioned uh, Romans, Paul in Romans, talking about the fall of Israel being for a blessing to the Gentiles. And we, we could un pack that, but, but I, I take the essence of what you're saying is that, you know, the dispersion of Israel also physically from the land, which is what happened, you know, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD and then 65 years later in 135, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans, literally millions of Jews, well, at least I think Josephus says a million Jews, you know, died in Jerusalem and blood was flowing down the streets of Jerusalem, the Jews were dispersed into the nations. You know, that's what we have known, isn't it? As the, as the, the Christian era when the Jews have been in the diaspora. Now, if you that know, was to be a blessing to the nations, uh, and I think it, Paul even talks about the restoration of Israel, what is the restoration of Israel and what does that mean for the nations? First of all, yes, I want to underline what you said, the dispersion and the, the prophets already in the Bible make a play of words with it. That on the one side, it is 
the 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 play of words that it means to to sift Israel. So it's a judgment on Israel, but it means also to sowing Israel among the nations. And sowing is the, is the prerequisite of bearing fruit. Now think about Jesus not not by accident says that when if the if the seed or if the grain it's been sown, it has to die, and then it will bear a lot of fruit. So this whole idea is behind that or in that. Now, when the people of Israel comes back to the land, when God gathers them, the idea, the biblical idea, is actually not the Christian idea. I know that the, a lot of Christians think Israel will be gathered and then real judgment, uh, Jacob's trouble will come to them, and they will be finished or whatever, and then they will cry out. But the biblical idea is you will know that I am God by the good that I will do to the Jewish people, to, to Israel, to Jerusalem. And there's the other side. When God gathered Israel into the land, when he, le he led them into the land, it was judgment on Egypt and it was, was judgment on the nations in the land. Jo Joshua and the people of Israel were a means of judgment to the nations that lived here in this area. And when, when the nation of Israel was freed from Babylon, it mean, meant the fall of Babylon. It was the Persian Caesar, Cyrus, who sent them back. So the gathering of the nation of Israel normally means judgment. Now, what we have to understand is from God's point of view, judgment is not just to kill and to finish off. But he wants to see us bear fruit. So judgment also means to focus, to refocus, and to, to redirect us. So I'm convinced that here comes in, you started with Romans 11, and I might continue there, that Paul says, and Paul sees in the end, what will their fullness be but life from death. And actually, I, I cannot go now because of shortness of time into that, but life from death, and I translated that directly from the Greek, if I go into that, means revival. I don't say that this revival will come an easy, easy way. Let's not forget there will be judgment. And let's ask ourselves what function do we as prayer people have in a judgment scenario. But the purpose of God doing all this is not just if I take again the, the image of a couple having children is not just the birth pain, but the purpose is new life. And, and it, I, I hope you feel a little bit, it's not an easy way, it's not a, a one now happily ever after or whatever, you know, but it's, a, it's like a lot of ways God has with us human beings, they are a little bit complicated, sometimes a little bit painful, uh, sometimes uh, there has, is something that has to die, but it goes through to new life and it will break through 
into something breathtaking from our point of view, certainly. Alice, thank you. You're opening up a whole panorama, I think, which brings a completely new perspective. Next time, I'd like to explore with you this idea of, uh, you spoke about judgments, you spoke about rebirth, new life. Sometimes when we look at Israel and the Middle East, you know, we read our newspapers, we only see the problems. You know, we see conflict, we see war, we see oppression, I don't know what else, but it's all a bit negative. Um, but I think what you're encouraging us to do is to look at it biblically, which is there's a much bigger picture. And um, there's, there's issues, many issues we're going to explore next time in our coming conversations. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I look forward to, Johannes and I both look forward to you joining us in our next episode of Israel and Christians Today. We'll see you and hear you then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We'd like to connect with you online. Find us on Facebook, visit our YouTube page and check out our website. For now, thank you for listening and we'd like to see you next time. Bye-bye.